Welcome to On Texas Football, Friday's Longhorn live stream. I've got Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd here alongside me for uh, this uh, one-hour segment. Uh, we're taking your questions, talking a little Longhorn football, basketball, and recruiting uh, this uh, hour. I uh, hope we have some fun here a little bit. Jerry, Ian, welcome in. Thank you, guys. Good to be here. Ian, you doing okay? You're looking good with that collared shirt on, man. Yeah, I got a early anniversary uh, dinner tonight with the wife. So, <laughs> congratulations! Uh, happy for you. All right, you're ready, uh, you're ready early. Moves. That's like that. If he's ready early. That's way past Lombardi time. <laughs> hey, so long story short, we got a little bit of interesting show here. We got some time to take questions for sure. So please put your questions in the queue, and we'll try to get through them as quickly as possible. Um, and also, uh, wanted to say this, uh, we have a little bit to talk about. The spring game was, uh, less than a week ago now. Uh, the Longhorns have already gone into the portal as well and picked up Minnesota defensive tackle Trill Carter. Furthermore, the Longhorns were kind of, every Longhorn is waiting to see if anyone enters the portal, uh, for Texas or from Texas. So that's kind of where things stand right now. Uh, Ian, what were your thoughts on the addition of Trill Carter since I, I hadn't had a chance to ask you that question? Uh, it's kind of an interesting addition. I, they, it seems like what they need are run stoppers. Uh, Trill Carter was a pretty stout run stopper for Minnesota, but he wasn't like a true nose tackle, eat double teams kind of guy. He was more the kind of guy that uh, if you – if you went at him one-on-one -on -one with a guard, you weren't going to get much room to run behind. And he played as a three technique in their defense. So um, he's actually kind of comparable to Byron Murphy in that regard. Byron Murphy can eat a double team probably a little better than Troll Carter, but he's probably at his best just manhandling a guard one-on-one. -on -one. It's possible that this just gives him a little better depth. And there's not that much more to it than that. Just one more dependable guy that can stand his ground. Yep. Uh, what about you, Jerry? What are your thoughts on that on that topic? What do you think he brings to the table? Well, I, I think it's a huge pickup. Um, and and I, and I I put it in football and other category. Um, he's a guy you can put. I mean, he's an honorable mention all Big Twelve, Big Ten guy by the coaches, which means that that's that's a good praise for him. Um, obviously. Um, he's two years to play. I think that's a big thing um, as well. And I think he really fits. I, you know, he's a three-time all Big Ten academic guy. Um, there, I posted an interview on Inside Texas of him previewing the Michigan State game. He's one of those guys that you just – you know coaches trust. Um, they know he's going to be in the right place at the right time, do the right things. Uh, so aside from being a talented guy – um, I think he brings a lot to the table. Uh, you know, they uh, Texas just posted a video of Sarkeesian from a Longhorn Network interview, kind of wrapping up the spring part early in the spring than late in the spring. And you could just tell he loves, we've talked about the fits on this team, where this team is. And I think Trill Carter, it fits like a glove. Uh, I, I think it's a great pickup. And to Ian's point, look, if you can have Byron Murphy fresh the whole game, you're winning. And if the guy that you bring in to keep him fresh is a really good player, you're really winning. And that's the way I look at it. Yeah. I mean, I, I just go back – every time I think of this, I go back to the Texas Tech game, and they're playing 90-something plays. Yeah. I mean, you don't need a two-deep. You need a three-deep. Yeah, that, They want to play six guys, four guys more snaps than the last two, but they want to have a six-man rotation. Look at this right here. Trill Carter, according to this guy, played more snaps. I mean, 543, I think, was the numbers. Only that played more snaps than any other Longhorn defensive line player last year. Great stat. That's a uh, that's pretty impressive, and that gives you an idea of the type type of depth uh, they're building. Um, my my take overall, uh, and this is where I wanted to get Ian's piece because Ian, I thought you did a nice job uh, earlier this week on an article for Inside Texas. Uh, talking about how Texas was going to try to get after the passer, maybe a little more, a little more unconventionally. I guess it's not unconventional, but, but as opposed to just using a true edge uh, to line up and pin their ears back, they had some other options, including Alfred Collins. Uh, what was it that you saw from Collins and what they did in the spring game that said make was kind of an aha moment? This is what they may be trying to do. Yeah, he had a one snap in particular that I that I gift for the article. 
where he got he uh, slants across Jake Major's face, and then he's one on one with Majors, and it's a good thing for yours that he got the ball out as quickly as he did to Whittington on a little shallow cross because he was going to have Collins up in his grill in, in another instant. Um, and that wasn't an isolated incident either. We've actually seen that from Collins since uh, uh, 2021 when the new staff arrived. He's been a guy that he could almost like stunt and slant like a, like a defensive end. That's partly why they probably, partly, partly why they played him at defensive end initially. He moves laterally very, very well. Uh, at least if he knows where he's supposed to go, he does. And, um, and that's a major weapon in, in the blitz game. That's a major weapon in just stunts. If you are wanting to emphasize your defensive line to get pressure, you know, like your defensive tackles in particular. So they have a lot of, they have like all the pieces you would want for manufacturing pressure. They have like a, a power rusher in Sorrell. They have some defensive tackles that can always plant and move and get after it. They have man cover corners that you can afford to bring pressure. They have good blitzing linebackers. They have good blitzing corners. The only thing they don't have for a pass rush is the featured pass rush position. They're like strangely deficit there. Uh, and everywhere else, though, they're, they look really strong. So you have to wonder, it may not really matter that much. If they can just be, you know, a little bit creative and mix in some other methods, they could be, they could be a very good pass rushing team, even if they don't have that single first team all big 12 and guy um of the from the spring game one of my largest takeaways uh jerry was the idea that i felt like the defense was solid on all three levels um this is looking like to me a defense that could be as good as texas has had in quite a while because not only do they have the talent uh they have the depth and particularly in the secondary right now uh, but they also have the experience. The, this is not a inexperienced squad, and it's the third year with the same defensive coordinator. Was that a big part of your takeaway from the spring game as well, just the, the strength of the defense and not really – I mean, I know we talked about that edge rusher, but it's hard to poke holes in what they've got right now. Yeah, well, I think one of my big takeaways after thinking about it, you know, the things we haven't talked about that we should hit on was – I actually liked that Jalen Catalan didn't play um, because it showed you Texas can survive if he's not healthy. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's an All-American, and I think he is – him and Jalen Ford are the two best pure football players if he's healthy. But I thought it, sh- it kind of showed me, okay, they're going to be okay if this guy has another year where he can't stay healthy for whatever reason. That that was one of my big takeaways. Um, and my second takeaway was – Malik Muhammad's good. Anthony Hill's good. And this was spring for them. August and September are going to be a hell of a lot better than it even was this spring for those guys. And even guys like Gavin Holmes who have transferred in. Right. So um, I, I just I didn't have I didn't have anything negative. I mean, yeah. Would you love to have the guy that, you know, I would love to have Jackson Jeffcoat right now. I'll say that. Right. But you don't have Jackson Jeffcoat even. Right. So um, and I'm not going to the the wishing well on having Brian or Ocpo or Kendall. I'm going to the, the notch below. Um, and I think Baron Sorrell's improved good player. I think Ethan Burke plays hard. He's got to get more physical against the run. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I that was my takeaway was, okay, they're going to be okay if Jalen Catalan, because I thought he was such a big deal. But I do think he takes him to another level if he's healthy. Uh, the other thing I want to add on the end, I talked to our good friend uh, Nathan O'Neill this week. Uh, Nathan – had Keandre Coburn, Will Anderson, all those guys at the combine. And I asked him because a lot of Texas guys work with him, current Texas players. And I asked him what he'd heard on Texas defensive linemen this spring, because I know the NFL scouts roll through and it's going to sound, I'm sure crazy coming for me. The scouts loved Alfred Collins this spring. He's just so long and quick laterally. He's so long. And I, they, there's a thought there that he is, still the best NFL draft prospect if he'll play up to it of those three guys. Murphy has the best motor. Sweat has the best frame. Collins has the most gifts. So we'll see where it goes. Yeah, interesting. All right, uh, before we go further, I've got we've got our trivia weekly trivia question coming up. Uh, but first, I want to say thank you to our primary sponsor, and that's Andy Ludicky uh, of MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're looking uh, for uh, looking to leave the corporate rat race, tired of just two weeks 
uh, paid off uh, and not really any control over your own future. Andy Ludicky has a system uh, whereby he asks you questions and you answer them uh, honestly and truthfully, and it kind of ferrets out where you might be good or where a franchise opportunity might be good for you. I actually took took it myself and uh, learned a little bit of something about it uh, as well. So uh, give Andy a shout, Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. He's a good friend of the program. Uh, we appreciate his uh, continued support uh, to help the uh, live stream keep going. All right, we're going to get to some questions uh, next. Uh, but first, uh, I want to ask you guys, um, what did y'all think of Malik Murphy, Quinn Ewers, and uh, our boy Arch Manning on on last Saturday? Go ahead, Ian. Ian, I have, I've talked to Jerry. I've not talked to you since Saturday. I thought yours was pretty solid. I thought he looked about where you kind of would expect to where, like last fall, he was kind of lost. Um, by the bowl game, he was much improved, had really made use of the bowl practices, looked a lot more comfortable. In the spring, I thought he looked more comfortable still. But he doesn't. He doesn't still look to me like a elite NFL prospect. I mean, if he has a good season, he could just be drafted just because of the gifts, right? It's like Alfred Collins. As soon as Alfred Collins shows a pulse, the NFL will be like, "Yep, good enough. We'll we'll figure it out from here." I think Quinn Ewers is the same kind of player, but I don't know. I, I still think he's probably like a year away from being like a Colt McCoy level, just let him make 60 important decisions a game. Um, but there's so much talent around him that he does, probably doesn't need to reach too high a level. And I think he's going to reach the sort of level he needs to. He seems like he's on a good trajectory to be a winning player that's surrounded by a championship talent. What'd you think Malik of Malik? Mer What'd you think of Malik and Arch as well? Malik, I'd say is actually on a faster track than Quinn Ewers is maybe because he's had to work so hard for the last couple of years to, remake things I, I just he's never, he's never been able to coast you know on talent and he didn't have a year off and, and all these sorts of things he looks he looks very promising i i thought watching malik that if yours were to were to bomb or be injured or anything were to go wrong i think that they could still win the league with malik murphy if he continues to develop at the, at the rate he's at um and then arch arch actually looked a lot better on rewatch to me than he did live he looked like just the fish out of water, you know, he was up against it with the, the pass rush, trying to throw to walk-ons versus NFL corners. You know, it was, it was a tough, it was a tough setup on rewatch. You could see some of the poise. Um, his throws looked a little better on closer watch on live watch. When you'd watch him throw like the field hitch versus watching Malik or Ewers throw it looked a little different, you know, it doesn't have quite the same zip, but it on rewatch, it looked a lot. It looked a lot better. He looked more like a guy that is basically what we thought he was out of out of high school. Very poised, very skilled. The more that he's surrounded by the right pieces and he can use his mind and his skills to dominate games, the more you'll see that come out. And it was just a bad format. You know, I, I really thought of all the throws in that game, uh, there were only two or three that were ill-advised, both by Quinn Ewers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to be honest with you, Arch was running for his life for the most <laughs> part, right? And uh, Murphy was very, very poised. If anybody threw a ball or two that was uh, interceptable, it would have been Quinn Ewers. And I would say this, too. Um, you know, the thing that that's interesting here uh, for me is, again, I just felt like the quarterbacks were largely – influenced by the play of the secondary and the pass rush in general. I mean, Arch threw that one ball that got uh, DeAndre Moore lit up by Ryan Watts, for example, right? I mean, the, the defense, I, I just have a strange feeling that this Texas defense is on to something right now. Um, I, whether it's personnel, I mean, look, we didn't talk about Sadir Mitchell stopping the run in the middle. I mean, those were some big boy stops. I mean, they they weren't, you know, he was getting double teamed on two of them and he still made them. I mean, that that I don't care if you're going up against second team or not at that point. 
those are big boy stops. We need to do it. This, this makes me think we need to do a uh, video on really talking about where all the true freshmen are that came in early at, at some point. Jerry, what, what were your thoughts on, on Sadir Mitchell and uh, what oh, I'm talking about? It relates to the quarterbacks. Just, I mean, it's hard when you, when there is no easy out really on the, in the secondary. I want to say something on the quarterbacks, but, um, because I do think Arch was put in some really tough spots. I think the worst thing that could have happened is him taking snaps with the ones and having a good game, by the way. <laughs> I think that was all by design. <laughs> okay. I mean, Arch has taken some unnecessary. I, I'm going to laugh at people's coverage of him the next three or four years. It's going to be downright pitiful and probably will make some people throw up or should. But I think the opposite, if it had happened, I think that would have created a real firestorm. Um, I mean, look, Arch didn't even get the, the play calls to throw over the top against walk-on corners to scholarship receivers because if he makes those throws, what's everybody going to be talking about? Uh-oh, here's the real quarterback competition in Austin. It's getting going. That was a tough spot Sark was in. <laughs> All right, uh, Jerry. I'm, I'm just going to say it. It's No, true. no, I, I, think, I think people sure. understand it happens. I uh, speak with Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com. Uh, it's time for our weekly trivia question uh, brought to you by Last Stand Hats. Uh, Last Stand Hats uh, has a special discount. Uh, use the promo code BOBBY10 uh, for 10% off. Uh, they have all kinds of really cool Texas uh, gear. This is one of my favorites. I always wear this one. Uh, actually, I'm going to put it on now because I just I like the Hook'em Horns look here, guys. I hadn't seen one before, and uh, I got mine from laststandhats.com. All right, here's the trivia question. Who are the two Nagurski winners for the nation's best defensive player that have been Longhorns? The two bet the two Nagurski winners for the Texas Longhorns. Uh, we'll we'll sit around and wait. But now, Jerry, I want you to answer my question <laughs> on Sadir Mitchell. Yeah. So to me, he looked like the young guy that Georgia recruited, right? The guy who's 6'6, 355 pounds, and needs to get the 335 that is going to hold the point of attack and is going to be a guy you can put in there and can play the run in the SEC. I mean, he looked like the guy that Georgia battled Texas for until he signed his letter of intent. Um, because here's the thing with him. He's got to get in better shape. Nathan O'Neill was on here uh, during the Under Armour game saying, pass rush development takes a long time. People have to understand that. So for him to be a complete player, it's not going to be till year three at Texas. But the first thing he's got to do is, uh, he's got to get in game shape, uh, and I think that'll happen this this summer. Um, I actually ran into him before the spring game, and I, you know, I, I go back with Sadir from Under Armour camps way back, and I said, "How's it going?" He said, "Man, it moves fast." He said, "But I'm starting to get it." He was real with himself, um, but I just thought he looked like that guy. He looks like the guy Texas needs going into the SEC. The big jumbo, large human, whatever you want to call him, that has quick hands, has strong hands, can hold the point of attack. And those guys are so important because they make the linebackers better. They make their their counterpart at defensive tackle better. Texas needs two Sadiers in the future, not one, but he's got a bright future against the run. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm just looking at uh, the answers here. Um, I'm trying to find who got this right first. There it is. Uh, so this is it. And it is... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I messed up. Two broke to pay attention. Arakpo, Brian Arakpo, and Derek Johnson. Congratulations. Uh, two broke to pay attention. Uh, there are the two dates, uh, 04 and 08. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, anybody think that Jalen Ford has a chance to be in that category this year? Either of you guys? I'm interested on the end's opinion on this one. He's giving us some thought. If they, if they really tick up his involvement in the blitz package and uh, he's really good there, then I could see it. Um, Man, he was turnover. Hey, here's the deal. He Four interceptions for a linebacker is a lot, Ian. I mean, he got, you know, that's one of the things that really, not only you have 100-plus tackles, he had four interceptions. I think he fell on four fumbles too, including game winners against Kansas State. And Iowa State, I, I felt like he was a little bit more of a playmaker, even though, to your point, he didn't really rush the passer that much. 
How many did Mike Rose have? He had like six interceptions one year at Iowa State, and he still didn't win Defensive Player of the Year in the Big 12. People don't care. They want to see you knock the quarterback over. So, so you're not saying he doesn't deserve it. You're just saying yeah. that those guys don't win it. No, you got so here's, here, here's, here's my thought on it. If Texas goes 11-1 and one and he has that type of year, he's going to be right there, right? I mean, but to me, his ability to win it comes down to two things. Byron Murphy, if he becomes a high – level NFL pick and becomes that pass rush adds pass rush to his repertoire and is as disruptive as people think. If Alfred Collins comes on and is crossing the face of people more consistently, right? Boy, Jalen Ford could have a lot of really good opportunities. I don't know what y'all think, but to me, it's almost the people around them. And then it's the winning games part. I think it's winning games for sure. I think he's going to be productive. Uh, I think he's going to be productive. Will he make his big a plays this year? as he did last year. I think that's some of those balls just bounce the right way. You know what I mean? And he, he just have to be Johnny on the spot. All right, let's go to the, we're going to start some questions here. Uh, we got about 40 minutes. Uh, let's start with Brett Nelson. Uh, does yours have top three to five pick potential for the 24 draft? If he does, would it be realistic that Texas gets to the playoffs? If he plays like it, let me start with this. You have Drake may at North Carolina and you have Caleb Williams at USC. So Caleb Williams is as talented a player as I've seen in a long time at quarterback. He's got the size. He's got the arm strength. He's learning under a really good quarterback tutor. Um, I don't know that Ewers is that in that position. Drake May is a little bit different. He's more of a heady gamesmanship type player uh, that's not going to get you in trouble. Um, he has, Ewers has top three to five pick potential. But the key word there is potential. He's not a productive player like that at this point. Uh, if he does play like it, I would certainly think Texas getting to the playoffs would be a possibility. I think Texas getting to the playoffs without him act being that way would be a possibility so long as they take care of business in the Big 12. Uh, you know who's high on coin ewers? Bobby, we have a mutual friend, Jeff Christensen. Oh, okay. trains Mahomes. Is very high on Quinn. Now, he's worked with Quinn a little bit. Um I'm interested to see uh, if he's right on that one. That's something I'm gonna we'll we'll tur- we'll recircle to circle back on that one during the season. Look, I I think uh, on Quinn, it's this one's pretty easy. Um, if he goes and has a good game and they beat Bama, I mean, or any everything's on the table for him. I mean that that that's really that's really the deal. And and two, you know, look, I, he's got things he has to improve on. But it was so nice to see a wide receiver make a play for him in the spring game. <laughs> we talked he, about that. He he had somebody go up and get something that wasn't supposed to be gotten. Can you imagine how, what that does for guys' confidence, though? When you either if you're not, you're faced with making a perfect throw in your mind every single time. Good luck. I mean, that's not that's not this game. Um, yeah. So I think how much I think the receivers being better, the tight end being a year older, offensive line being older. Um, you know, I think he's going to be obviously throw for more 11 personnel, but I look, if receivers make plays for him, I think he's going to make plays for receivers in year two, then you could have a pretty big year. But, um, you know, I, I, I got to say this, that's why I don't necessarily take I, Ohio state quarterbacks early in, in drafts. They've had such good receivers that they kind of make up for the shortcomings of their quarterbacks at times that you don't know if they can still fit it in those narrow windows. Doesn't mean every Ohio state quarterback is bad. I'm not, I'm not saying that it just makes you second guess that. Right. Well, it does think about, so think about in high school, you know, one of the things I like about arch um, is he played under duress his whole high school career. He was not on the best team. He did not play with the best talent. So guys that have to play under duress to me, that helps them greatly. Um, I actually think Quinn last season, helps him a lot going into this season. It's a motivating thing. It really forces you to look in the mirror. Um, I think if he'd come out and just slung it around for 3,000, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, I, I think sometimes this adversity or playing under duress and learning how to uh, could really help a guy moving forward. All right, I want to go to Ian with this one. Uh, Derek, uh, Brett, thanks for the super chat, by the way. Derek McCullen, over under of Quinn Ewers healthy, if he's healthy, 3,200 passing yards, 30 TDs, five interceptions. 
I'm probably taking the over on almost all of those except for TDs. What do you think, Ian? Yeah, I will. I will first note that if Will Levis can go in the top ten, then Quinn Ewers certainly can. There you go. And, had, and Kentucky didn't win much of anything last year, so these teams, you know, they get enamored with a quarterback that could save the franchise, and then they just take, they just throw darts and they hope for the best. So yeah, Ewers has a very good chance of being drafted uh, if he has a decent year. That thirty-two hundred number is really tough. I don't really. I would go probably maybe over three thousand, but thirty-two hundred. I mean, depends on how many games they play. I guess if they get the Big Twelve Championship, that's fourteen, and then at least one postseason game. So maybe over on that. The touchdowns is. I, I will say over on touchdowns, and I will also definitely say over on interceptions. I don't think he's – he was good at avoiding interceptions. I was talking with Paul about this recently on his podcast. But they also threw a ton of uh, turnover reverse passes last year, and I, I think that they'll let him sling it around more this season. Like you noted in the spring game, he had one throw for sure that he almost just threw it right to the linebacker. Um, I, I think that may happen a few times, especially if he's trying to find Jatavian Sanders or some, something. So, yeah, maybe over on everything. Isn't that what you just said too, Bobby? Yeah, I think over on everything except for touchdowns. I, I actually think he's going to meet that 3,200 passing yards if he's healthy uh, because I think he's got the, the the players alongside him and he doesn't have Bijan and Roshan in the backfield. I, I was going to say Eric Nolin kind of asked the question, what would his stats be on inside Texas? And I my answer was not any of it. I said it depends on how well Texas runs the ball. I mean, the best case scenario is Quinn doesn't have to throw for 3,500 yards this year. The best case scenario is Texas runs the ball well enough that he's sitting right at 2,900, 3,000 yards with 27 touchdowns because that means they're punching the ball in inside the red zone with running backs too. I mean, quarterbacks, Texas quarterbacks threw 21 touchdowns last year, and they ran for 29. I mean, you know, Xavier Worthy had one throw, so 22 and 29. I mean, if Texas runs the ball well enough this year, it's not going to be on Quinn to throw for 300 yards a game and three touchdowns. To me, Texas is the best team if under the scenario where he has 3,000 yards and 27 touchdowns because that means they're still running the ball well enough to do exactly what Sark wants to in his scheme. I don't know that there's a bad scenario if your quarterback's throwing for 3,500 or more, though. Depends on how many picks he's got. You, you can beat Texas Tech and, and be 7-6 and six with Kingsbury. There, there's a there or six and seven. I mean, yeah, there, but, there those, those, but those teams are scoring for Those teams are scoring but, forty. They just didn't stop anyone. Well, that's that, that can still be a bad scenario because your defense is so tired because the other teams on the on the field so well. All right, Derek, thank you for your uh, super chat. We appreciate it. Need to say thank you to our sponsor, Andy Ludicky of MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, if you're looking to start the new year in a new way. Uh, leave the corporate rat race and find a way to own your own business. Give Andy a shout. Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Uh, Andy helps you uh, get placed inside a business uh, that is a proven uh, model uh, via the franchise system. Uh, give Andy a shout. Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Thank you uh, for your continued support of the show. Bobby, can I say one thing that's going to factor into these stat conversations moving forward? New rule is the clock doesn't stop on first downs in college football. So you're essentially going to lose one possession per game, in my estimation. Yeah, good point. I don't know fair how enough. to that in. Fair, no, fair enough. All right, let's keep going here. Um, talk with Z Brad here. Is Texas going to look at any specific position in the portal, or are they set as of today? As of today, I believe they are, they're at 85 scholarships. So someone's going to have to transfer out before they can go it. They are absolutely looking in the portal as we speak. I mean, that's just the way college football works right now. I'm sure they're scouring for every edge prospect, every last-minute addition that comes into the portal uh, as well, uh, whether it's edge, tight end. Uh, you just never know given uh, that situation. Speaking to that, uh, Jerry, what are your thoughts on Bear Alexander, the defensive tackle out of Georgia? Yeah. Cinco de Mayor is asking, uh, or Mayor is asking uh, about uh, him and the Longhorns. 
I, I don't expect anything to happen there. Uh, been wrong before, but I do not expect that to happen. Um, continue here, USC, Miami. I just think with Trill Carter coming in, that's a really good fit. Um, I think it would take a special D tackle from an all-around standpoint going into the portal for Texas to even look at that. Uh, because right now, after you take Trill Carter, look, you want to keep the guys, your young guys, in your program. I mean, you don't want those guys having thoughts about leaving here in the next two weeks. So um, I, I think things are pretty set right now. I think Texas has six quality players they can put in their rotation. I think it would take a really, really intriguing guy for that to happen. And look, my thoughts on Bear, I, I like Bear. Um, watched him grow up on the football field. I had to follow him around to four schools, but watched him grow up. But, you know, it's somewhat like a Jai Hall, he doesn't have the off the field concerns, but you know, it, it, there's a lack of stability there, and he showed that again. Yeah, the guy I tackles for loss in a national championship game and is a maybe starter on the best in the press program and cup on the bolts. Yeah, it, it 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 is what it is. What are you going to do? I mean, you can't make people this. This is the biggest I told you sentiment I've read from Peyton Ross. <laughs> he kind of he. Ian, He's gonna have this question every week Ian, all season. <laughs> remember when I asked about Anthony Hill being used like Mark, Micah Parson? What'd you think? One of the highlights of the spring game for sure was the play of Anthony Hill, the young freshman out of Denton. Yeah, um, I, I have another comp that amounts to something similar, but is just a little bit calmer. Colin, <laughs> Colin Oliver. Okay. Colin Oliver is also six two two thirty. He's also fast, powerful, and athletic, and Oklahoma State just moves him around. I think you're going to see that a ton this year from them. They just move him around and let him – he's like he's almost a full-time pass rusher as a linebacker, and he just does it from different alignments and angles. Um, I think that probably Anthony Hill will be that on third down this coming season. And then after that, I mean, we could probably devote a whole show to us arguing about where he's going to fit long term. Ian, I want to ask, because we haven't been on the show today, what did you think of Anthony Hill watching it back? What did you think of what you saw from him in general? He's His ability and willingness to play through blocks, I think, is what makes him special. When he's On top off, of all of the athleticism that he has and speed. Yeah, yeah. But there's a lot of guys that are that are fast and athletic, and they don't he, – he doesn't hesitate either when he's playing through a block. He just – he, he knocked Peyton Kirkland on his butt on an inside stunt. His, his job was go inside. Zach Swanson will loop around. He starts to go inside. Kirkland is there, whatever, knocks him down, 255 pounds or whatever that guy weighs. Um, but when he's – here's the thing is, though, is when he's that off-ball linebacker and he's processing and figuring out where to go, I think it negates what he does best. Yes. Now, he could learn to process enough to where he could be like an old school, see it, and then play downhill and blow things up. But I kind of – I'm I'm not cemented in this opinion, but I kind of think he's just going to end up being a buck and that that's, that's going to be where he's where he's great and special. Is it, would that be – that's uh, Baron Sorrell's current position? The other right one, the weak, the weak side, the one, that, the one that's the problem every year. All right, got it. I'm sorry. All right, going to Joel McWaters. Uh, if we don't get a blocking tight end in the portal, would it be ridiculous to have one of our more athletic young OLs play the Andre Carrich role this year? Subtle hint, DJ Campbell or Ogbo, former basketball players. The one I always thought would be good in that role might be Neto Umiozulu. Uh, you guys, I, Sark has not shown, he's shown a willingness to do just about anything to get a numbers advantage, but he did not use this formation much at all this spring, right? No. I think in his ideal world, he doesn't want to have to. That means his wide receivers uh, room is really good. That means his tight end room is really good. That means his quarterback is uh, evolving. Um, I think in his perfect world, he does not want to go with that uh, very much, only in special circumstances, maybe a little change of pace. But uh, if you look at Alabama, his, his Alabama teams when they're at their best or his offense when they're at the best, that's not what he wants to do. He wants to – he wants to put multiple guys out there and stretch the field vertically. 
horizontally. He horizontally he wants to make a defensive coordinator have to make very tough decisions all the time. Ian may have a different answer. That's where I come out on Sark. Well, he did do it against Notre Dame in the playoffs in 2020. Yeah. So I, I, I last year they didn't do it till the fall, for whatever reason. Um, maybe they want to nail down that I don't maybe it's not that hard and it's just something they kind of do last minute and figure out who's the best guy to keep engaged here or whatever I don't think they necessarily need to do it that much because Gunnar Helm is a really good blocker so they can go Gunnar Helm and JT Sanders and probably maul teams pretty well with that but they'll do it to some degree just because it's better on the goal line to have that capacity Um, and then as far as who they pick, do you pick the guy that will go to the portal if he doesn't get to play? <laughs> do you pick the veteran that you just trust the most? Do you pick the young athlete that you're like, we just got to get this guy's feet wet, and then he'll really turn it on? So, I mean, that could be like three different three different players you might choose based on which reasoning guides you. But I think I agree with Jerry. I don't know if they're going to see it a ton because of Helm and, and get more receivers on the field and whatnot, but I'm sure they'll do it some. And we'll see who they pick. Got it. Uh, the portal has seemed relatively quiet. Are players and their reps exploring their options behind the scenes prior to entry? Or is there genuinely just less activity right now? Jerry and I talked about this off uh, via telephone uh, last night, actually, this very issue. We thought there would be more action right away. We think it's more of the latter of what you're talking about. Uh, we believe that people are exploring their options behind the scenes. Um, not that they're not going to do it at all, but simply they got to get a gauge for many of them. Spring practice just ended. They've got to get a gauge on what their true worth might be elsewhere. Uh, for some that they're probably not getting the answers they want as well. That's uh, it too. You know, something like 70% of the players in the portal have not started a game in college football. So that gives you an idea of what exactly is out there, uh, as well. All right, Jerry, uh, and Ian, y'all's thoughts on this from Terry Reynolds. Has Jaron Thompson regressed? He seemed lost and like he forgot how to tackle during the spring game. Has that been his norm this spring, or can his play be attributed to it just being a scrimmage or not being alongside somebody that's probably going to be another starter next to him is my my bigger piece. The more so Jaron Thompson, I think, is a little athletically limited compared to most safeties, okay, in the in the conference. He's a little smarter than most safeties in the conference too. But when you put him out there with another guy across from him that is also not as athletic like a Michael Taft, for example, it it makes Jaron Thompson push a little bit to be a little bit maybe more than he was. He missed that tackle in the open field uh, against uh, Jaden Blue. He also missed a tackle against uh, uh, Jordan Whittington on a short pass uh, right uh, right after the chains. You know, I, I don't know that he's regressed, though. I think that we need to hold on on that until we see exactly what, what he's like. Ian, you have a thought. I saw you nodding your head there. Yeah, the, I mean, the blue the blue play, probably a lot of safeties look bad in that position because he just ran right down Main Street, had a two-way go on him. The one on Whittington, he went high and kind of bounced off of him a little bit. You kind of wonder if that was, you know, don't go high on Jordan Whittington. Um, spring scrimmage. I'm not going to take this guy's knees out right now. I'm just going to kind of wrap up high. And if he runs away from me, I don't care. I'm, you know, I'm Jaron Thompson. My position is not going to, right. It's just a scrimmage. So I, I, maybe Jerry has some thoughts. I don't really know if that's been a story in the, in the spring or not. I, my thoughts are I'm not taking much from a spring because they want to get out healthy. The players know you want to get out healthy. Um, and the last thing you want to do is you know, Ryan Watts hit DeAndre Moore high, right? It's a good hit. The last thing you want to do is take out a teammate in a spring game, really have doing what you would do in a regular game to get him to the ground. So I don't take a lot from it. If in Alabama, these guys can't tell if he doesn't have a good game tackling and it's the same things, then I think it's something to discuss, but spring practice, spring game, I'm not going there because we always harp, and I, you know the coaches in their coaches' office are the same thing. Let's get out of here healthy. All right. <laughs> and the players know, get out of here healthy. Jerry, thanks for the question. Let's go to Justin Yarbrough. Jerry, has recruit, has recruiting picked up any steam? 
And if y'all could put one past Texas player from the last 10 years, who would it be? On this team. Okay. Recruiting, uh, picking up a little steam because the coaches are on the road. So they're all, they're on, they're out evaluating. Um, they've locked in more official visits this week. We've been uh, popping all that news on inside Texas. Uh, Christian Clark running back from Arizona is June 16th through 18th. Um, we've added three defensive linemen June 23rd through 25th this week. So the official visit lists are really starting to take shape. Um, and that's why I think we're up to 15, June 23rd, 25th official visitors, which that means that number is going past 20, uh, which means this June 16th, 18th will probably be in that area 15, 17 when it's all said and done. Um, Reiner Swanson, like a tight end, they really like. He's going on a two-week European family vacation. He can't come in one of those weeks. So he's looking at the first week in June or back, bumping it all the way uh, to July or before the season. July is dead, so it can't be July. Uh, so it'd be early in the season. So, you know, you will have to work around that with some kids as well. But um, I, I think recruiting is picking up because those official visit, visitor lists are filling out. And you really know, OK, they're out seeing these guys. They thought they knew who they liked. Now they're going out kind of reconfirming that. They're locking guys in for official visits right now. So the board starts to really take shape, truly, uh, the late late April and early May. And I think that's where we're at. And then they're seeing the 2025 guys they really like. So recruiting's picking up. Uh, one pass player from Texas the last 10 years to add to this team, not like a first-round pick, guys. We can't go there. Unicorns. Who would it be? I think that's a good question by Justin Yarbrough. Y'all got anything? I'd go Joe Ozai or it. Alex Okafor. One of the one of the Alex Okafor is a good one. Yeah, Okafor was the was the thirteen draft, so that's right at ten years, right? Yeah. Ian, I I forgot about the ten year thing, so I was going to take Colt McCoy and win the national championship. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, he was a third rounder. <laughs> I I think I will make a similar pick and take. Uh, I'm curious to see y'all's faces when I say this. I would take Sam Ellinger. I think this team goes to the playoffs for sure with Sam Ellinger. I know that his arm talent is not the same as yours, but he's a smarter, better passer. Um, he won't get dinged up playing in Sark's offense. So the early season Ellinger would last deeper into the year. He knows how to play these big 12 teams. I think you just set a floor of like 11 wins if you have somebody like that at the helm. I, You're right. I would never have picked another quarterback to join that room at this point. I think they need, they have a need of a, they could have a rainmaker on at defensive end. I, they, they would have just about everything on defense that you would need. That's my opinion. Yeah. Jerry, do you have anybody? Um, I was thinking there or, uh, you know, a ball hawking safety guy, but which I don't think there's been in the last decade that I could pick. Um, yeah, Vaccaro it's got, it's, or Diggs would have been in that category. But see, I put Vaccaro's tough because he's in the first round. There you go, Quandre Diggs. I mean, what does Diggs do for this team? Makes I mean, plays. Makes a <laughs> lot of plays, right? I mean, it, what Quandre Diggs does a lot uh, uh, for for Texas, and that's it. That's even with it being a really good secondary. Yeah. Hey, Jerry, let's stick with you because we haven't done a basketball update yet. And there definitely is some portal stuff going on right now. This from Loba bread, Jerry, any update on um, Abmos or in Shedrick a guy out of Oral Roberts and uh, university of Virginia, I believe any thoughts on if they will announce their commitments soon. Yeah, I think, I think Abmos announces his soon. When is that this weekend? versus next week we'll find out I, the question with him is he just wrapped up his official visit to texas this morning um look the official visits go great so you're going to hear great things I, I think there's a confidence level there but look headed in this visit kansas state was confident too the question is and I, and nobody really thinks he's going to wichita state but the question is is he going to take that monday tuesday visit like some people think could happen well, if he does, then that decision gets delayed. And the reason he would go to Wichita State, obviously the former coach at Oral Roberts, Paul Mills, is now the head coach at Wichita State. And what I think, where I think that's interesting is nobody really thinks he's going there. Um, I don't think he's going there based on what I've heard. But, dude, I, I want to – this is portal, man. This is different stuff. This is NIL. But my question is, if he does take the visit – and he says, Coach Mills, I'm not going there. Does Coach Mills try to help Jerome Tang, who they coach with at Baylor? That's kind of where all this stuff is kind of 
put it together. But I think Texas is in a good, as good a spot as you can be. Uh, does that mean they're going to absolutely get him? It does not. I think there's a lot of things you could look at in Texas' favor there. Uh, he's a Dallas Jesuit kid. Parents live in Rockwall. Easy to drive to every game as last year in college basketball. Um, I think there's great NIL opportunities uh, in Austin for a guy that is the two-time Summit League player of the year from Dallas, Texas. I think there's a lot of things for him. There, I, I get the Kansas State appeal. They just lost Noel, who had a great NCAA tournament, right? I mean, so you can say, here you go. Uh, take us back to the Elite Eight. Uh, Caden Shedrick, um, he went to Missouri after Texas. I think the Texas visit was slightly better than the Missouri visit. The whole key with him, and I don't think he makes the Xavier visit, which is next week midweek. The whole question is, does he, does he go make the Duke visit next weekend? Because I'm not sure he was at the top of Duke's list. He's a really good player. But he's from Holly Springs, North Carolina. And the first time he went through the recruiting process, mom wanted him somewhat close to home, so he stayed in the ACC and went to Virginia. So that, to, re- to me, is what I'm watching with Shedrick is, is he going to make the Duke visit? If he doesn't make the Duke visit and tells mom, you know, I just stay close to home the first time, I'm going a different direction now, then I think that's pretty decent news for Texas. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens and uh, with those two guys. I think they're in as good a position as they can be. They just got to get a little momentum right now. Bottom line, they need Max to fall their way. Yeah, and that's the the guard from uh, Oral Roberts. All right, uh, Ian, what do you think on this one? What round do you think um, Demarvian Overshone will get drafted from Brett C? My question and what I put towards the audience at, on Inside Texas, I think it was on Wednesday, is he's the most um, polarizing prospect of the Texas guys entering the draft. Teams are going to be high on him or low on him. I don't. I don't know that there's an in-between with him. Uh, given that, what what do you think uh, round he goes in? Uh, I think a, a later round. Uh, like five think, through seven? Yeah, I think for him to be drafted at all is kind of a win because he did not really play linebacker well until his last season. Um, the, the selling point for him is that that was his first healthy offseason. That was his first chance to actually gain weight and to, and to – learn the position from a position coach that wasn't distracted by coaching for their job or dealing with a global pandemic or what have you. So he, he might have a lot more, um, he might have a lot more upside than it would appear from a guy that was at school for six years, but he's still a long kind of skinny guy that only sort of knows the position in a league filled with big, big people. So, uh, I think I think there's a reason they didn't go into the draft till now. I imagine he'll go in a later round, and yeah, he'll have a chance for sure. He'll need to go somewhere that's willing to develop him further. Got it. Uh, question from Harrison Saunders. So, how did you all, you guys, all get together, college buddies? No, actually, we all met professionally. Um, Jerry and I have known each other almost 30 years now. Uh, going back when I was working, uh, I had helped start a company called Rivals.com. Uh, back in the late, late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, our relationship actually predates that, if you can get an idea of how long Jerry and I have known each other. Ian Boyd was working for InsideTexas.com when Jerry and I came aboard. Ian's been doing the X's and O's for that publication for quite some time. Uh, all um, guys, uh, you know, I guess that's the best way. We met professionally, not, not personally or anything. Uh, and now we all write and uh, report for InsideTexas.com. Well, let's keep going here. And I want to get y'all's thought on this because this is a little bit different question. Uh, some on On3, not Inside Texas, are tossing around the idea of Malik's best interest to test the portal, then proceed to, proceeded to say that Sark needs to reconsider his portal rule. Why all the crazy quarterback theories? Because it makes for good fodder. <laughs> that's, that's why. Uh, I don't think Sark should uh, change his rules for anybody, though. Not not in that way, unless somebody, not not a guy that's going to enter the portal and then gets to come back later. I, I just, I feel like it's they. You got to look forward on those those sorts of things, even if it's your one of your very very good players. Yeah, and I um, look. I, I want to say this too. I mean, I, I I get everybody's excitement. Malik's never thrown a pass in college. He's never faced a played under duress in a college football game. Um, I, I appreciate one thing I appreciate is he stayed in there and competed. 
Like when Arch Manning signed with Texas, a lot of guys would have hit the portal, right? Quinn's here, Arch is here, I'm out. I give him a lot of credit for staying in there, staying in his process. I thought he showed some gamesmanship, like you said, Bobby, in the spring game. I think people are getting a little ahead of themselves with Malik Murphy. He got dialed up on some deep balls against walk-on corners. Um, I, I appreciate the work he's put in. I think we're pushing this one a little bit right now. The guy's never – he's a pure pocket guy. Of the three Texas quarterbacks, he's the least, at, least athletic outside the pocket. In a testing environment, he would test the least of all those guys. Um, and if he, if he can step into a throw, he's really, really good. If you take away that, he hasn't done it before. So I, I just I just don't think – I'm more about this rule, you know, yeah. about – I don't think I just don't think Sark needs to go there. I don't think mm-hmm. any college coach should go there. I mean, it's no. just I, I, I feel like once that it's like crossing the Rubicon, you know, yeah. it's it's over. It's, well, well and it's my, my point is, Bobby, my point is if so, I, I think that article, what people are talking about, should the University of Florida try to get Malik? OK, I mean, I know where we're at in college football right now. If I'm going to go pay for a quarterback in the portal, I'm going to Tulane to get that guy. OK. <laughs> I want to go get that guy. And that's nothing against Malik Murphy, but some of this is madness right now. <laughs> yeah, you got to get guys with starting experience if you're trying to 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 I mean it's just it's the way it is. Look look at this question from Ski Breck. Uh, will Texas have more than 8 draft picks in 2024? More. I I'm trying to find 8 right now. Um me and Jerry were adding this up last week without you. Okay. We definitely had more yeah. than 8 that we're going to probably go to the combine, but the we're, we're counting that we're counting the early departures, Bobby. So we had Xavier Worthy, AD Mitchell, Byron Murphy as possibilities, and, and, Ewers, possibilities. and Sanders, yeah, JT Sanders, uh, J Jade Barron, yep. Um, you don't know what J- Jalen Catalan might do, given his situation, right? Ford. Could be Four. guys. It could be sweat. Alfred Collins, if he plays decent, going to the combine, um, and is going to test well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're. I think they're over eight. Got it. All right. Thank you all for taking that question. I, I I didn't know it had been asked before. I was dealing with a migraine from you know where last Friday at this time. Uh, Jerry, here's one for you. Uh, with Brennan Thompson catching so much flack on social media for leaving and potentially to OU, does that hurt Texas in recruiting? I don't now, think so. Yeah. Now, uh, te- Texas wins, nothing hurts in recruiting. Um, I think uh, – I actually, you know, I have a different standpoint, uh, I guess, on that one. I think it's fun. I think it's awesome. I think this is what kind of – aside from the vulgarness of social media and the bad part, I think this is what makes college football right here. Look, I mean, you know how Iowa State fans feel about Tyrese Hunter? I know it's a little different, right? Or what Texas fans are going to feel for Arterio Morris if he goes to Kansas. I know this is Texas OU. It's a little different, right? You don't see a lot of guys going from Auburn to Alabama or vice versa. But I think it's what it makes college football what it is. Um, and look, on the Brennan Thompson piece, I actually think that's a good scheme for him if that's where he goes. I think he could do a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 Can you I, have thought I Sometimes I see this from Texas fans where they'll say, you know, our, t- our fan base is so toxic. This is why Texas doesn't win. And when I see that, I always think you guys have no idea what Oklahoma Twitter or Alabama Twitter or Ohio State Twitter is because this ain't toxic compared to those programs. <laughs> and those programs win plenty. So it's probably the opposite. Like the more toxic and insane your fan base is, the better your football team is because they won't <laughs> – they won't allow your program to go downhill for more than a second before they <laughs> demand that somebody steady the wheel. <laughs> From Terry Reynolds, Ian, can you explain what each lineman technique means? One tech, three tech, five, seven. Um, zero is lines up over the center, right? One yeah. is shades the center, three shades the guard, five shades the tackle or is over the top of the tackle, seven is outside the end. Is that basically it? Yep. Just, they just work out zero is dead across from the center. And then as you go out, the numbers correspond. Odd, odd numbers go outside the shoulder. Even numbers go straight up. 
Yeah. On, on and, the uh, it, it, it changes it like six or seven technique. There's like one of the sixes is further outside than seven. I, it doesn't make any sense. Other than that, one, I don't actually even remember what the rule is, but other than that one, they're all zero, one, two, three, et cetera. All right. Um, let's keep going here. And we got a few more uh, questions, but before we go there, I want to say thank you uh, to our friend at uh, myperfectfranchise.net. That's Andy Ludicky. He's placing people, been placing people into businesses, franchises uh, for about a decade now. Andy Ludicky, myperfectfranchise.net. Andy at myperfectfranchise.net. If you're looking to leave the corporate rat race and want a business to call your own, uh, give Andy a shout. Uh, he's been used by several uh, Longhorns through the years. All right, let's keep going and, and see if we can't find a couple more things here to close out the hour. Um, Jerry, is Bronny James still available? This is a <laughs> basketball question. They they messed with him for a little bit, but then backed off, right? Yeah, everything I'm hearing is USC at the end of the day for him. Uh, that's just that's a tough recruitment. Now his girlfriend is going to or going to go to SM goes to or going to go to SMU. Um, it, it's such a tough recruitment because just get in itself, right? I mean, that's a process. This is not the normal recruitment. You go clutch sports, boom, boom, boom. You know, you got to work a lot to get to LeBron. Um, and then what comes with Bronny in his recruitment, what everybody's dealing with is what are the expectations? You think you have to start him if you recruit him. So what does that do for the guys you are recruiting or did recruit, right? I mean, so you almost have to recruit him by different rules than you've recruited everybody else. And that gets into a sticky situation no matter what anybody's name is. So there's a lot that goes with that recruitment. I'll say this. I'll tell you who I think he is. Um, he was really good at the McDonald's game. He can really shoot the basketball. I think he's a 6'2 Nigel Pack at Miami. So I think he's going to be a really good uh, player at the college level. Again, what are LeBron's expectations versus, you know, what he would actually be early in his college career? I think that's what's going to be interesting um, moving down the road. All I do know is he's going to a Nike school. Gotcha. <laughs> hey, I, I want to end with this question, um, particularly because we started this uh, live stream off talking about the efficiency and quality of the Texas defense. Uh, from Tex210, how many games will our defense win this season? I think it wins versus Bama. I don't know about Bama, but I think Texas is going to be in just about every game this year, in part because they're going to have a defense that keeps them in the game. Ian? Yeah, the context of that is hard because to say the defense won the game means it has to be a game that the offense lets you down. Um, and then the defense kind of, yeah, like the TCU game last year, if they had won that game, it was going to be the defense that won them the game. Um, so uh, I, it's kind of tricky to have to like think through which teams are going to stop Texas. Um, but I, I'm with you. I think the defense will keep them in every game next year. I don't know if there's a team that will be able to pull away from Texas because of the caliber of the Longhorn defense. I don't know if there's an offense like that on the schedule. Maybe somebody gets hot and gets lucky and, and hits a couple of big plays. That can always happen, right? Not ready for something. But I, you know, the depth is good, Ian and Jerry. It's it's one thing to say, oh, they might get beat up long term. But everywhere I look, I mean, except for defensive end, where I think Sorrell is the only one that's really, truly ready. There are multiples. I, there's multiples at corners, multiples at safety now. Uh, I, I could look, I could be wrong. I, I just think there's guys now. I, th yeah. So I think that here's what I would say I think the Texas defense is going to have the ability to win a couple of games. Uh, I actually look at Bama the opposite. I think the offense is going to have to win that game because I think that's going to be a really good defense playing at home. I don't think Bama offensively is going to be very good to start the year next year unless they go pay $17 million for a quarterback out of the portal, which they're apparently trying to. Um, and by the way, that should tell Texas fans something right now. That should tell Texas fans something right now. If you're going to the portal to try to pay whatever you have to to get an experienced quarterback, that should tell you a lot right now about Alabama offensively coming out of the spring. Um, I think the offense has to win that game. Uh, but I do think Texas defense is going to have the ability. And I, I, I'm like, Ian, what does that mean? So I say win a game is 
keep Texas right there and give your it's like baseball, give your closer a chance to close out a game, right? Or give your three, four, five year lineup one more chance. I think the defense is gonna be that level. Um, as long as they stay healthy with Jalen Ford, Byron Murphy, a couple of key guys. All right. Uh, that's been Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd of Inside Texas. Uh, this has been the Longhorn live stream. Uh, remember, please uh, visit our advertisers. Uh, Last Stand Hats. Use the code Bobby10 for 10% off there. And also visit Andy at uh, myperfectfranchise.net. That's myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, he places folks within businesses uh, online. All right. Jerry, Ian, I appreciate you guys. Uh, we'll be back again next Friday uh, with the live stream. We also have a Tuesday night live stream as well as daily shows uh, each and every day. Uh, tomorrow, Paul Wadlington and myself will have our Saturday conversation. Uh, for Jerry and Ian, I'm Bobby Burton. And thanks for watching. Hook them. <laughs>